pep, pep, bla, 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 bla. Hello, and welcome to See One, Do One, Teach One, the podcast dedicated to becoming a better medical educator. With me, Pick Mukherjee. And Tom Pereira. So this is the one where Pick is accused of being a small carnivorous mongoose. So, Pick and I just came back from Dubrovnik, where we were at MEMC, and what we decided was that after listening to a bunch of these lectures, that we would do an episode on how to become Teacher of the Year. So, Dubrovnik was lovely and wonderful, and I really enjoyed your talk about that topic, so I'm assuming you're going to tell us exactly what you said in the talk. Well, it starts with the idea of how do you become Teacher of the Year my gut tells me if you're a really nice person and you bring in enough food for the residents, they're going to vote you to be Teacher of the Year. So there's a popularity contest, and I guess you can't win Teacher of the Year if you are unpopular with the residents. No one wants to learn from people they don't like working with. Well, I absolutely, through my career, have had people that I have been scared of, where the work environment has been hostile almost, and yet... Some of the lessons I learned in those situations were lessons that I have never forgotten. So you're talking about people who made you a little uncomfortable while you were learning, uh, and that was ending up, uh, by the end of the shift, desirable difficulty. It turns out I learned something. But it's hard to learn from people that you dread working with. So there's a happy median. I absolutely believe that there are some really nice doctors that we love to hang out with during a shift, who are not great teachers. Okay, so I'm with you on this one. Uh, while I think that it is not conducive to learning to be the most unpopular attending, uh, it doesn't mean that the people who are the most popular are actually doing any teaching. Okay, so the goal of this podcast is really what can we do to make sure, popular or unpopular, that we are the best teachers we can be on shift. Sure, I want you to be popular, but I'd also like you to, you know, do it right and win the award because you deserve it. We'll hit number one, which is going to be about priming, about understanding that you're working with a person, and it is a little bit about popularity, and maybe when the person comes on saying, hey, I'm happy to see you, and things like, Today is going to be a great shift. Let's learn something great. So I've always thought priming was really well named, right? It's the first coat you put on so the other coats stick properly. And setting that learning environment, I guess we'd call it, is an important part of the having your shift go well. So if you tell people that they, things are going to go well, if you have a positive attitude, it, it has been shown to affect the shift. So you come on and you say, we are going to have a great day and we are going to learn. It, it sounds a little painful. It, I absolutely understand it's a little bit too new age. It sounds like I pulled it out of an index card with my pre-scripted from my bosses who told me I must say this phrase. Yes, but it works. Well, if it works, at least it's evil in the presence of doing good for people. So that's fine. So, so say your scripted item. Uh, we are going to learn and help people, and it will be awesome. And I guess a good way to look at that is what not to do. And nobody wants to role model the guy who you show up to work, and he says, uh, this is the worst job, and I hate it, and we're not going to learn anything. That is setting up a day that is a problem. When you walk in and say, I hate my job, nobody's giving you Teacher of the Year because nobody wants to grow up to be the guy who or woman who hates their job. So priming is setting the learning environment, but also modeling that, look at me, I am a teacher, and I am, I swear to God, going to teach you today. Great. So let's move on to number two. It's sort of in the same vein, which is 
Setting expectations for the shift. So asking your learner, what do you want to get out of today? I think that's really good. Uh, I think that uh, when you invite that, you're actually now having a conversation. You're seeing what they're interested in. And I think that it's actually a, uh, a little sly way to get in a little assessment. Uh, because one of the things we want to do uh, is assess our learner. Uh, and, and depending on their answer for what they would like to learn, you, you could put them on the scale of where they are. By scale, you mean spectrum, of course, right? No, I mean I weigh them. I stand them on a... <laughs> yes. Uh, are you saying that our, our residents are on the spectrum? I might have been suggesting that. Okay. But the other part of this is that you can tell them what is expected of them, and that makes it much easier for them to meet your expectations, which works on a lot of different levels, especially someone that you haven't worked with before, like a medical student. If you tell them the kind of presentations that you like, I want the dangerous things first and then the, you know, the thing you think is most likely and so on and so on, it makes it so that your learner knows what to do and is more likely to succeed. I think that's great and actually really good for new learners to not hear the feedback on how their presentation was uh, not to your liking after the, you know, the third presentation uh, and, and have it right up front. Uh, and what about for the residents we kind of know, we have a relationship with, we kind of see where they are already? All right, so that brings us to number three, which I'll just call setting special expectations. Basically, it's the, I walk into a shift and I say, okay, today we're going to look at every EKG and interpret them. So that's perfect. Uh, you already, again, get the uh, how high a level they're at. Uh, uh, they're not asking for which is the P wave. Uh, they're asking to teach them about sodium channel block. Another place that this works really well is with procedures. Uh, we call it uh, procedural alternans. Uh, yes, we hope we get a dislocation. You've done them before. What technique have you used? And what drugs do you like? Awesome. I hope we get one. You're not allowed to do either of those things. I like that. There's always more than one way to do a procedure, and it allows you to teach about it even if that procedure doesn't come in. You don't get a shoulder dislocation, but you still teach them a different method for putting it back in. I think that works great. What, what else do we do for the, the special things when you know so them? Chest x-rays. X-rays are easy. Uh, the residents always love good orthopedic stuff. Uh, I usually keep sort of a case log of some medical record numbers with interesting x-ray findings to go over if I have spare time. But if you just even look at 10 normal chest x-rays, you'll find lots to talk about. And it sets you up uh, with a little loop of checking in on whether you learned the things you said you were going to talk about. Another really good one, especially as our learners hit their final year, the ones we sort of know best, is to challenge them to, hey, how would you manage this case if you were in a community hospital? Right. You've said this before, how resource management becomes a high-level skill. So the what-ifs become not uh, what if the patient was immunocompromised, but rather what if you didn't have an ICU bed? What if you didn't have a pediatric hospital backing you up? What if you had to decide whether this patient should be in, in an ambulance for 30 miles on a snowy night? And another special would be uh, I'm going to watch you teach the medical student. I want the medical students to present to you, and I'm going to watch that. So encouraging the learner to teach, uh, which will help them learn. Right. And that, I think, brings us to our, our fourth tip for the day, uh, which is about also about setting expectations, but it's let's set up at the beginning of a shift that at the end of the shift, I am going to give you feedback. So either on uh, your presentations or your EKGs or on the entire shift, I am going to do that. So that's so good for a lot of reasons. If they self-identified a thing 
to learn when you ask them and set expectations. Now it's built in that we will check up and see if you learn that thing. And almost could take us to uh, a number five. Number five is something to try. Uh, and I want you all to try when you're working with a resident or a medical student to go an entire shift only giving positive feedback. So now you've framed it as I'm going to give you feedback. You have an area of focus, so it's not where the student says at the end, can you give me some feedback? And then we look at them and go, uh, because we haven't prepared on the spot. But in this case, you pre-prepared. And then you've decided, I'm only going to pick the positive behavior. You, your feedback has many different effects. One of its effects is to reinforce good behaviors. So I know that there's lots of stuff going on that residents do that is wonderful. Uh, when they walk in the room and start to make patients feel comfortable. There are so many of these that taking the one, taking the time to tell them that was a really good introduction. Wow, you really did a good case presentation. Try an entirely positive shift. So there's a lot written about how much negative feedback is given compared to positive and uh, how much um, uh, residents perceive is given. It's almost entirely negative. The, the messages that seem to stick in our heads are the negative ones. But we know that the good behaviors also crowd out negative behaviors and we probably spend less time than we should telling residents do this every time and you won't get into trouble, as opposed to uh, warning them about all the trouble they're going to get into. Yeah, and it's not so easy. You have to consciously decide to only give positive feedback if it's something that's different for you. I certainly think that it's not that we're saying to never give negative feedback, but the pendulum is all the way on one end. So saying this shift, I will only reinforce positive behaviors, I think is worthwhile. Great. So now we're mid-shift. What do we do to make the shift go well? So now that we're in full stride, I think the biggest thing is attention. Paying attention, focusing on the person you were trying to teach. So not being on your phone, not being charting on another patient, actually occasionally making eye contact, even, and I know it's crazy, calling the resident by their name. If I call the resident by their first name and gaze deeply into their eyes and stare at them, they, they will be fine with this. Um, not in the creepy way you're describing it, but it's amazing that attendings generally take the presentation while doing other things. If you can actually focus on the presentation, it goes faster, it goes better, and the resident then knows they are valued. And you know, we all talk about what a chaotic environment we work in and how much multitasking has to go on, and there's going to be an EKG put in front of my face during the presentation. But also, the residents are very annoyed at attending behavior that uh, isn't focused on what they're saying. They, they told me I was meerkatting them one day, that I would be uh, looking and then suddenly pop my head up and look in a different direction and then come back to them. I said, stop meerkatting me and, and like pay attention. I don't know why meerkats in particular came into mind, but I can see it. I think that's an important point. As we move to what I'm going to call point six, uh, which is toward the end of the shift, you have to now start thinking about meeting the expectations you set at the beginning. So the number six that I like is, what did we learn today? So again, you're sort of framing it that we actually did learn something today. Uh, so then when you're asked, uh, does anyone teach you? They go, oh yes, I had to volunteer things I learned. Right, I have tried the take every time you sort of have a teaching point that happens, write it on a post-it note and put it up so that at the end of the shift, you're able to say, what do we learn today? Well, it's right there. I've got one, two, three, four things we learned. And I think that's been popularized, like a little right. posted shift, uh, posted end of shift notes. It's also a nice way to share that other people who aren't 
involved in that case can go, oh, cocaine is a sodium channel blocker, and it's, it's very social. So at the end, everyone has learned something, even on when they didn't have the great case. I also think that it's time to wrap up your, when we looked at EKGs today, do you feel more comfortably? Mm -hmm. Did we succeed in what we tried to do? Feedback is being delivered. Big signpost. Here it is. I am giving you the feedback. Right. So number seven on my list, and, and this one actually takes 12 seconds of your time when you're not working, would be if every now and then you had a discussion with a resident about something and you send them an article or a blog or a podcast or whatever that reinforces the information that you talked about. Which I think is great, even if they never click the link, because it means that they are thinking about it a second time, uh, you're showing them attention again, uh, you're getting the benefits of spaced repetition, remember that thing that we learned that I went over at the end, well here it is a few days later and I'm telling it to you again. So I think that's actually a underrated thing and it really doesn't take us that long. It doesn't take uh, you or I very long to know that that article exists and to do a little click and email. Right, or go to Rebel EM or any of them uh, uh, a, a and number grab the piece and, and give the link. Available foam ed links, absolutely. Okay, then the next point I'd like to make is that all of this stuff, if you do it, you will be one of the best teachers at your shop. I truly believe that. But you will not necessarily be teacher of a year if you do this every time, day in and day out. So you'll just be uh, overlooked because you're just persistently, commonly great. Yes, I, I think anything you do that becomes the norm, you are unlikely to win awards for. What if at the end of my, my normal day, I also put in jazz hands at the end of the management plan? Then you're good. Then you would definitely get it. So the next things on my list have to do a little bit with uh, how do you change things up and make things interesting, gamification at Al. Clearly, the most common of these is, is betting on stuff. Betting on stuff, I really like. I don't bet indiscriminately, but but yes, the residents know that there are specific things that I will absolutely bet on. Uh, and I think it's really useful because it makes the resident commit. You know how strongly they're committing by what they bet, whether it's a cookie or a coffee or just bragging rights. I think betting is an underrated form of uh, making a prediction model, building in a feedback loop where they remember what happened, and then having them incorporate it into their practice. So I like the getting them to commit and then bet on it thing, especially if the resident and I disagree on the pretest probability of a disease. Uh, if we and sometimes just to show how important making that decision is, I will bet on things that I absolutely know I'm going to lose. And the, and the point of doing that is I'm sure you're modeling being wrong, but you're also teaching that the resident... Uh, is allowed to disagree with you in a reasonable way. Yeah, and I think that that's very important, that medicine, in medicine, having different opinions uh, and that being okay is an important piece of this. Uh, another thing on the list is something that I want to call flipped bedside teaching. Tom, flipped bedside, what's that? So I will go into the room, I will speak to the patient, because I actually usually go in before the resident anyway, and get a history and physical, and I will present the history and physical to the resident with as little sort of body language hints as to what I want to do or where we want to go, and I will have the resident make decisions and come up with a plan based on my presentation to them. 
So I think that's great. Uh, I usually lurk at the door or behind the curtain and eavesdrop, and then when they present, I kind of look for the disconnects between the data gathering and the presentation. But but maybe uh, I should actually present the case to them and then have them critique my presentation uh, and make me defend my uh, my plan. I think that's part of it. I also am I learn a lot from which pieces of my presentation were the were the points that made the resident make the decision that they made like are they putting all of the of the weight on the neuro exam are they are they is the history the part that they are believing or not believing and i think that it really helps me understand their thought process i think that's great uh, so that's part of the what bit are you waiting show your work kind of bit uh, and it also helps us to learn right it's a little gimmicky but it, but it's a very interesting exercise to try. The another one on my list, maybe the last one on my list, has to do with something that we rarely, rarely do. We teach. We have our own style of teaching. If I want to learn new ways to teach, I could well listen to this podcast. But we so rarely watch other members of our faculty teach because they do it in a very different way. Right. So we have to be willing to learn. And that means maybe observing other people teaching and stealing from them and maybe having them observe us and coach us. I think if you have the fortitude to accept criticism in your teaching style, I would highly recommend having somebody whose teaching style you respect watch you and and force them to give you a, hey, you did this well, you didn't do this very well aspect of it. Definitely. So, so that's, I think, at least 10 things to do to become Teacher of the Year. I would add one really important thing to that. Buy the residence food, because that's how they're really going to vote for you. So it might not be that winning the popularity contest is enough, but it couldn't hurt. So bring cookies. Bring cookies. Thanks for listening. Go out there and make better doctors. Get out there and make doctors better. Get around.